If you'll turn over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. And this is one of those nights I wish everybody could be here because we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And these are some really, really rich passages. And I mean so incredibly relevant. Let me read them and uh, let me give you just a brief example of the relevance. Beginning in chapter 7, verse 1, Jesus is still speaking from the mountain and uh, many are gathered and he says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. How relevant is is this? Uh, Just quickly, back, back in 2017, a group of evangelical leaders, pastors and church leaders, um, who were concerned about all of the confusion of of our age, uh, adopted a statement called the Nashville Statement. It was a statement that affirmed a biblical understanding of gender, sexuality, and marriage. I read the statement. um, I certainly agree with it 100%. Uh, Many many signed the statement, and it created a great deal of controversy uh, throughout the media um, because... It was a form of judging. It was a, it was a form of making judgments. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. The reason why I bring this up is because just in the last few days, in the Netherlands, um, there have been 250 pastors and church leaders who have now signed the Nashville Statement. And... Where this, you know, would seem to be not that big of a news story, it, it has turned out that it is. Uh, because the Netherlands, I think I could say this, and it would be accurate, is, is, is without a doubt the most secular part of the world, the Netherlands. And so saying that alone would will understand why it is so controversial there. I mean... The government is coming unglued over the fact that these pastors and church leaders have signed the Nashville Statement. So much so, a spokesman for the Public Prosecution Service in the Netherlands said it was they were examining the statement to see if there was any basis for a criminal investigation. Now, folks, what, what they're saying there is just because these individuals have signed this statement and say, we agree with it, we agree with this. We, we agree with what the Bible has to say about gender and sexuality and marriage. They're being threatened now with this investigation that there's something criminal going on that they're doing. They're going to look into this. Now, why? Because Article 1 of the Dutch Constitution states that, quote, discrimination on the grounds of religion, belief, political opinion, race, or sex, or on any other grounds whatsoever, shall not be permitted 
keyword discrimination. Another way of defining discrimination is making a judgment. <laughs> it, it's, it's discerning. It's, it's saying this is right, this is wrong. This is good, this is bad. But in the Dutch Constitution, uh, this is not going to be permitted. And, and, and see, this is, this is the epitome of a secular society. We, 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 we don't want, we don't, God's word, no. Bible, no. N- nothing, nothing religious, nothing, nothing like that. No revelation, nothing going to bind us. It is absolutely insane and it is unloving as we're going to see tonight. See, we, we are told from the secular society that we are unloving because we say certain things are good and bad and certain things are right and wrong. They say, you, you all are intolerant, you, you are unloving. But we're going to find tonight that actually this idea of judgment-free zone is the most unloving thing that you can do. So let's take a look at it, okay? In uh, Matthew chapter 7, let's kind of set this up a little bit. You've met people, right, who who are reluctant to make the slightest judgment. They'll say things like this. Now, I know I I sound like I'm judging. I I know I'm not supposed to judge. You've met people like that before, you know. They they don't want to sound like they're judging. I I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't shouldn't be judging. But on the other hand, at the other extreme are those who are harshly judgmental and hypercritical and seem to have no awareness of it. I mean, they, they are constantly criticizing people, constantly looking at people, constantly diminishing people, constantly putting people down. So you've got one extreme where a person says, oh, I, I can't say anything because I don't want to appear to be judging. But then you've got the other extreme where a person is hypercritical, always after somebody, always bringing somebody down, always pointing out everybody's faults. And then there's everything in between. These words of Jesus, which are quite well known, are often terribly misunderstood. Um, Leo Tolstoy, for example, said this after reading the Sermon on the Mount. Christ totally forbids the human institution of any law court. He said nothing else could be meant by these words. In other words, Tolstoy said, Jesus said, judge not. There shouldn't be anything, any such thing as a court of law. Now, that's insane. But that, that's, that's, that's what he got from this verse. So we, we should say right at the beginning, these verses do not refer to judges or courts of law, but rather to the responsibility of individuals to one another. Okay? Let's get that straight at the beginning. Jesus is speaking about interpersonal relationships. He's not making a statement that says, judge not and therefore have no judges, have no Supreme Court, have no courts, have no law courts. Jesus is not saying that, okay? So let's start with this. Are we we to judge or are we not to judge? Uh, In verse 1, Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. Now some have taken this to mean this, this just verse 1. Some have taken this to mean that good Christians must never exercise any critical judgment. Now, could this, could that be true? And I, I wanted to print out some notes for you, and I think you have them there. The first thing I want us to do is look at what does the word judge mean. I think this will be helpful. 
The first thing you want to notice is this. It has, it, it has a range of meaning depending upon its usage. How many of you are aware that some words, you, know, you, can, you can use a word and it can have a range or a variation of meaning, okay? We, we, should, we should know that, okay? Uh, I have there printed for you the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, and there's six variations here of the word judge. One, to form an opinion about through careful weighing of evidence and testing of premises. Two, to form an, an estimate or evaluation of trying to judge the amount of time required especially. To form a negative opinion about uh, shouldn't judge him, like, or for example, you shouldn't judge him because of his accent. Number three, to hold an opinion. I guess, think I, uh, judge, she, think I judge she knew what she was doing. I shouldn't have printed all that other stuff. Uh, so verse four, to sit in judgment on, to tr- try to judge a case. Number five, to determine or pronounce after inquiry or deliberation. Number six, to govern or to rule. Now, you, you can notice like number six. Uh, number six uh, is not the same as number one. Okay, you, you, you see that, right? Uh, number six is not the same thing as number two. Number six is not the same thing as number three. There's variations in this word judge. Take, for example, number two. It says to form an estimate or evaluation. Now, that would, that would go back to saying this is good, but this is bad. I mean, just the simplest thing of like go, going into uh, the supermarket and, you know, you... you you're looking for um, a, a melon or whatever, and you you you're, you evaluate it, and you look and go, you know, you're standing there with your spouse and say, "I'm, I'm going to get this one," and, and she says, "No, no, let me." Oh no, that's not a good one. That's not a good one. In other words, not all of them are good. There's there's some of them that are bad. You see, and 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 it's not just with melons. I mean, this can go on and on. You see, so we we all we all make evaluations. I mean. Where we're going to shop at, what we're going to buy, you know, we 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 make evaluations, so we make judgments every day, all day long. You see, so is Jesus saying, is Jesus possibly saying here, don't ever say that anything is bad? See, that just doesn't make sense at all. Okay, uh, but but look at number four, to sit in judgment on. Now, God. We know from the word of God that God is the judge. He has power to condemn. We do not have that power, though we may think we do. <laughs> and we may, we may often try to do that. Really, God is the ultimate judge. He has the power to condemn. And I want to say that number four seems to be the type of judgment that Jesus is forbidding for his followers. In other words... When he says, judge not, what, what variation of this word, judge, could, could he be pointing to? Because it doesn't seem to be pointing to him saying, well, you should never say that something is bad. That, that doesn't seem to work here. But what does seem to work is number four, to, to sit in judgment. It, 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 put yourself in, in the place of God, in other words. So you might ask, how can we tell the difference between the two? In other words, how can we judge appropriately and avoid judging inappropriately? And I have a little paragraph there that I put in your notes that might help. This is one of the first things that might help. 
to, to understand the difference. When you evaluate or confront someone, are you trying to strengthen and maintain the relationship or are you trying to cause pain to the person and possibly get them out of your life? That, I think, is a good test of what our true motives are. In other words, if, if, if we're... When we confront, we have to have a when we have to have a confrontation with someone. We have to address something with someone. We have to have that conversation with someone. We we have to evaluate something in the other person's life. Will we do it in order to strengthen and maintain the relationship, or will we go after them in such a way to hurt them, to cause pain to them, and, and just get them out of our lives? Uh, I think that is a good way to determine whether we are judging in an appropriate way, in a Christ-like way, or in an inappropriate way. So that's, that's one helpful exercise to see, you know, am I, am I doing a ju- bad judging or good judging? Another helpful exercise would be simply to do this. Look at the scriptures. Well, let's take a short journey here, just a short one. Look down at verse 6. We're going to get to verse 6 the next time we're together. Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. What is Jesus doing there? He's, what, making a judgment, right? He, he is actually making a judgment. He is saying to us, You're going to have to be able to evaluate piggish people. You're going to have to be able to evaluate that. And so, he's, again, he's certainly not saying that we should never evaluate in such a way as to say this is good or this is bad, bad or this is piggish and this is not piggish, you see? Verse 15, a little further, beware of false prophets. Be on the lookout. <laughs> evaluate. Make a distinction between what is healthy and what is unhealthy. What is, what is false and what is true. That's making a judgment. That's making an evaluation. That's forming an opinion. See, John's gospel, just flip over with me. We'll take, just look maybe at two or three others. In John's gospel, chapter 7. It's just helpful things to help us to see, you know, find our way through the, the fog and the confusion of our culture that says, oh, you never judge, never judge. That's that's un. That's, that's hateful and it's unloving. John chapter 7, verse 24. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. There it is. There's a, there's a certain way to judge. Here, here it is. Here, verse 24 is a judge. It's a judgment. It's a judgment. It's Jesus saying there's a good judgment and a bad judgment, okay? And he's saying, do the good and don't do the bad, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, very quickly here we'll move through these and then we'll carry on with what we're looking at. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, um, the heading of chapter 5 in my Bible says, sexual immorality defiles the church. And you remember there's a young man who's taken up with his father's wife. So he's, he's taken up with his stepmother and they are openly displaying their relationship publicly um, in the church. And so um, Paul writes to the church and says, hey, you, you, you don't, don't be celebrating this. Uh, you, you need to do something about this. You need to put this 
person out of the church. And then we go down to, uh, let, let's start at verse 11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or an idolater or reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Now, how would, you, how would you go about doing that without making a judgment, evaluating the situation, the person? How would you be able to do that? You, you have to. But then, verse 12, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It is, not those, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how many church members read these verses. Because, you know, often, oftentimes you hear, you, you hear outside the church, judge not. That's, that's the only verse they know. But inside the church, oftentimes that's the only verse that people know. Oh, no, we can't, okay, you can't judge, you can't judge. Paul is clearly saying, I've got no business judging outside people. You know, I'm not, I'm not judging outsiders, but we have a responsibility to judge those inside. Verse 13, God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. How can you do that without making a judgment? Uh, one other, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Now I'm going to read all the, you know, you're, you're going to go away and say, oh, Pastor Van seems trigger happy to judge. <laughs> to judge. That's not my point at all, not my point at all, okay. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets are gone out into the world. That doesn't need any explanation. Again, it's, it, it requires discernment, judgment, evaluation, forming an opinion. So Christians, here's what we should see here. Christians have an obligation to exercise critical judgment. We have an obligation to do that. We, we must not be afraid of what the public has to say or what anybody has to say. We have an obligation to do so. But as we go back to the text, we again ask, when Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged, what is Jesus then getting at here? We, we spent a few minutes here, I guess, saying, okay, here's what Jesus is not saying, but we have to spend some time to understand what he is saying. He is referring Let's just go through a number of things here. He's referring to being a judge in the sense of being censorious. Now, what does that mean? I think I have this in your notes. It's, it's to judge harshly or unfairly. To judge harshly or unfairly. Uh, secondly, a fault, it's a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards other people and enjoys actively seeking out their failings. Now, let me stop here for just a moment. I would never expect anybody, you know, when you go through these lists, I would never expect anybody to go, oh, that's me. <laughs> never, never. And here, here's the problem, because Jesus is going to address this in a few minutes. We just don't see it. We, we, don't, we don't see it, you know. It, it can actually be us, and we not see it. I mean, you could... You, you could know a person. You, you might be thinking of a person right now. Yep, I know that person, you know. You could go to that person with this verse and these notes. You could say, I want to share something with you. And they would probably most often go, that's right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> they just don't see it, you know. 
a, number three, a person who puts the worst possible construction on their motives and is ungenerous towards their mistakes. Uh, you, you've met that kind of person who they, 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 they'll, they'll find out something and, and someone will say, well, I, I don't know that they really meant that. Oh, you know they did. You know they, they put the worst possible spin on the motives and they are very ungenerous when people make the slightest mistake. That's what Jesus is talking about. Well, go, let's go on. It's the person who sets themselves up as a censor and claims the authority to sit in judgment on their fellow man. And I have Romans 4 and 14 and 4, and I'm just going to spin over there and, and read that real quick. Um, here's what Paul said. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before... It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Uh, next one, judging others by a different standard than one judges themselves. Now, that's usually, that's usually our problem. Francis Schaeffer, years ago, talked about the, the hidden tape recorder. He used the analogy back in the days when there were cassette tape recorders, and he said, you know, one of these days, wouldn't it be something that, you know, we, 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 we stand before God and uh, he says, you know, why should I let you in? And, oh, well, you know, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And, and God says, well, you didn't know it, but right down at the back of the base of your neck is a little hidden tape recorder. And it's been recording everything that you've said all your life. And he hits the button and runs it back. I know this is crazy, but just imagine with me, okay? He hit the button, rewinds it back. And, 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 and the Lord stops in each place where we said, well, she ought to be, well, he ought to be doing. And, and what Francis Schaeffer was saying was, God would say, I tell you what, I'm going to judge you by your standard of judgment. <laughs> in, other words, we, in other words, we are often real quick, you know, to say, well, she ought to be doing so-and-so, but she ought to be doing it, but that doesn't mean I ought to be doing it. Or he ought to be doing so-and-so, but, but I don't have to do that, you see. So, so God would say, well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm not even going to judge you by my standards. I'm going to judge you by your own standards. <laughs> and, and see, that, boy, that, that'll get you attention. You start thinking about all those times you're sitting there in front of the TV. Well, he ought to. <laughs> she ought to. <laughs> this is what Jesus, th- this is, this is, all of these things are just combined to so say this is this is what Jesus is talking about. This kind of this harsh, unfair, you know, uh, never never seeing any problem with ourselves. This unkind, ungenerous uh, uh, lack of humility in critiquing everybody and everything else. Judge not as we've already said, is not a requirement for us to be blind. It is rather a plea to be generous in our assessment of others and not play God. That's a good way of summing it up, okay? Judge not. We mustn't understand it as Jesus is just saying, run around with your eyes closed and don't make any assessments. No, he's not saying that. Rather, it is Jesus saying, be generous with other people when you assess them be generous with them don't play god don't don't be number 4 okay the new testament 
paints a picture of the church as a place where people love each other, listen, enough to judge each other rightly. The New Testament paints a picture of the church as a place where people love each other enough to judge each other rightly. And done correctly, this can be the most loving thing that one person, one believer can do for another, really. And how do we know that? Verses 3 and 4. Now, let's take a few minutes to look at those, okay? This is meant to be funny, okay? Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? It's supposed to be funny because how could you? How could you possibly see a tiny splinter in somebody else's eye when you have a log in yours, see? That's the way it's supposed to be understood. It's kind of funny, like, this is ridiculous. How could you ever do that? And then verse 5, and how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when there's a log in your own eye? How, 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 you know, how could you go through the delicacy of getting that splinter out when you've got this huge mass log in your own? It's meant to be funny, you see. It's meant to be humorous enough to get our attention to go, uh, I don't guess I should be doing that. <laughs> Now, let's talk about this splinter thing a little bit. Because as as I said earlier, the world tells us, the world looks at the church and says, you you unloving bunch of critical, judgmental people. And and that's meant to shut us down and make make no evaluations and say nothing about whether, whether something's good or bad and never sign a Nashville statement or anything like that. But I think we're going to see here that judging others correctly appropriately, is the most loving thing that we can do. Now, why would we say that? When a splinter gets into our eye, it hinders our ability to see properly. Now, I want you to, Jesus is using this imagery, this analogy of a splinter in your eye, okay? Now, we've all had something in our eye before, right? Probably at some time you get something in your eye and it, 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 you, you can't hardly function until you get it out, you know, and it can hurt. It can be very uncomfortable. And so we, and, 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 and we often can't get it out ourselves. I don't know, I couldn't tell you how many times Catherine's come to me, can, can, you, can you see, and I'm like, I'm the last person who can see, <laughs> you know. Can you see a, a, an eyelash in there? I mean, I get, but, but she needs help, help getting it out, you see. So let me give you a couple examples of what, this you know, a few ways of looking at this. Let's say you know it could be a woman or a man. Let's say, let's use a woman for right now. Let's say that she has been hurt before by a man. Let's say that perhaps she has been abused by a man. Uh, let's say that it has been her husband. Let's say that maybe she has even had to go through a very difficult divorce. Let's say that it's happened more than once. Let's say that it has traumatized her so much that now she says, I hate men. You can't trust men. There's no, there's no good man out there. Or it could be vice versa. It could be a man who's become embittered in life. Maybe there's been some relationships that you know, just went sour, and now he is saying, I hate women. There's not a good You can't trust women. That's what's wrong with this world's women. That is a splinter. That is a splinter that needs to come out. It, it, could be, it could be a person who looks at people of another race, another 
ethnic group. Them nasty people. They're nasty. I don't want nothing to do with those people. That's a splinter. That's a splinter that needs to come out. Look at it this way. It's a little different. Let's say a man who is driven to be successful, and he is willing to do whatever it takes. He'll work the hours. He'll do the job, whatever it takes, because he has set his sights on being successful. However, he can't see what he's doing to his family or to the other priorities in his life. He, He can't see how his children are moving further away from him and how the marriage is growing colder. Or he hasn't been to church in months. He's lost sight of any spiritual priorities. That's a splinter that needs to come out. Now, we just said a moment ago, someone needs to help us get the splinter out. Okay, And so if that were you, how would you want someone to help you Get the splinter out. If you had a splinter like I've just described, and we could use a lot of different examples. If you had a splinter like that, how would you want someone to help you get that out? First, would you, would you want them to come at you with a chainsaw? We're going to get that thing out of there. Vroom, you know? would, would, you probably would not want that. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, get back. And, and that's the way some people come, like a chainsaw. They come with a scalpel, like, I'm going to get it out, I'll get it out, I'll take care of that, you know. Would you want someone coming to get the splinter out like that? You, you would say no, right? How would you want them to do it? Because it needs to come out. How would you want them to come? Very carefully, right? Very carefully. So what is Jesus getting at here? With, with, with all of that said, what is Jesus getting at here? Jesus is condemning the way of being in the world that focuses on other people's splinters without awareness of our own faults. What word, do you see what word he uses for that person? You see it in verse 5? What what word does he use for that person? Hypocrite, hypocrite. Jesus uses the H word for those who are so zeroed in on everyone else's splinter. They've got their scalpel, their chainsaw. We're going to get that out of there. Totally oblivious to the logs in their own eye. And Jesus calls that person a hypocrite. See, the trouble we often have is we can be far more aware with what is wrong with other people. That's what Jesus is getting at. We can be so aware of what is wrong with other people, but totally unaware of what is wrong with ourselves. I ran across a great example of this in the Wall Street Journal. There was a story about doctors. It says, doctors often warn their patients about stress and burnout. And yet a survey from John Hopkins and the Mayo Clinic found that 40% of surgeons said they were burned out. <laughs> in other words, it goes on. it goes on to say, that they are very good at pointing out the splinter <laughs> and trying try to get the splinter out of their patient's life. But they, they pay no attention to their own advice, you see. See, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying we need to be aware of our big sins. What, what, how does he describe it? A log. Jesus is saying we need to be aware of our big sins 
that we may be humbled and more charitable when helping others get the splinter out. Because he doesn't say, notice he doesn't say just leave that splinter alone, let them deal with it. He doesn't say that. Notice in verse 5, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will be see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, you won't be coming with a chainsaw, you know, you won't be coming with this unawareness, this lack of humility, this uh, self-inflated opinion of yourself. You won't be coming that way. You'll be coming, what, very carefully. You'll be coming carefully because, whew, man, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got problems too, you know. Bonnie? Yeah. Well, that, you know, that, that, that's, uh, to be, in all fairness, in all fairness, every analogy breaks down, and that's the breaking point right there because, see, my wife will come to me and tell me about an eyelash, but she, there's other things she won't come and tell me about <laughs> She won't come and say, man, would you help me with my attitude? <laughs> and, and, and vice versa, vice versa, I see. So good question. Um, and, you know, I guess, I guess we'd, here, here's the way I would, I, I, I would first answer that. Because we're going to run into this principle here in a, in a few weeks, you know, doing unto others as we would have them do unto us. That, that's why I asked a moment ago, like, how would you want how would you want someone to come to you? Now, what you're asking is, okay, they haven't, they haven't said to you, come and help me get this splinter out. Um, so now the question would be, how would you want someone to help you see that you have a splinter? You know, how, how would you want that to happen for you? And you know, dwell on that a bit. How would you, how would you want somebody to approach you? You, you, would, want to, you, would, you would want them to be, to love you enough to, to, to maybe say, you know, I think you have a splinter, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, but now, and, and again, that requires, that requires some, often some, you know, some good relationship building before we can ever, you know, just whip right in and start, you know. So anybody else want to help answer that, get me off the hot seat? Anybody? Anybody want to jump in on that? Scott? <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, that's, that's helpful. You know, Bonnie, there, there uh, you know, there's, there, I'm sure there's a lot of people could offer a lot of advice on that, but, uh, you know, there, there's, um, there's, there's good times to wait in and there's, you know, there's not so good times to wait in, but, um, and, and, and like I said, the analogy breaks down because like, like I say, so, sometimes, you know, a person, again, they, they, they don't want, the, the, uh, for example, I hate women, so therefore I hate women. I don't, I don't want anybody to change that attitude for me. Uh, so, so that may take some work, but the splinter needs to come out. But the point Jesus is making here, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to approach getting it out until we, you know, we, we can come with a humble approach to it. Does that make sense? Anybody else want to jump in on that? Anybody? Okay. Let me, let me try to, we got about seven minutes here. I'm going to go over these last two things, which are short. And then I, I, I would welcome your comments and any thoughts about this. Jesus is not saying, okay, let's kind of wrap it up here. Jesus is not saying, and this is, I think this part here is really important to nail down. Jesus is not saying that we should say this. He's not saying that we should think this way. Well, I have this log in my eye, so I've got no business talking to anybody about their speck. In other words, it's like I've got my own problems, so who am I to say anything about anybody else? You see, if we, if we took that attitude, I mean, just think about this. Let's take myself. If I, if I took that attitude, if I said, you know, I go through the week and, 
you know, bad van has popped up a few times and, uh, and then I come Sunday morning and I look at you and I go, I can't, I can't preach. There's no way I can, I can't preach. I can't, I can't say anything because bad van showed up this week. <laughs> and so I can't say anything. You see, I got no business. I got no business saying anything. You see, see, we, we, we you know, is Jesus is Jesus saying? Is Jesus saying? Hey, no, no. He said, you know, deal, deal with deal with the log, deal with, deal with the log, get the log out of your own eye. Uh, again, again, facing our own, you know, facing our own failures, our own sin, you know, facing our own weaknesses, facing that is a humbling experience. You know, it it, it is, and and it, it puts us in a much much more careful mode to come to others, you see. And so Jesus is not saying just, well, you know, you just, you know, you've got your own plank and you, you do it and you don't worry about anybody else. He's not, not, not saying that. No, we need to help others with their splinters, their specks, but how that help comes to them is crucial. And that's, that's really at the heart of what Jesus is saying here. And actually, verse 6, and we'll get to that the next time we're together, but verse 6 fits right with this because when you first read it, you wonder like, why is he jumped to talking about dogs and pigs and stuff? But it, it fits with this very much so. 